You got to tell us which one you think is the real one, all right? I'm going to go with the second one. You and me both. Predictions around chocolate? Chocolate and Netflix. Come on, man. <laughs> is that the you come up with? Welcome back, everybody, to this week's Sales Strategy Enabling Podcast. I'm Alistair Wilcock, joined by my co-host, Howard Brown, the pioneer and recognized expert in AI rev science and behavioral changes. And we are super excited to have with us today one of the leaders in the healthcare space from Zealous, Kaylin Moore, the Director of Revenue Operations. Kaylin, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? We are fantastic. I'm also excited to introduce our new structure to the podcast here, where we have a quick five-minute News of the Week round robin with our guests, Howard and myself. And then we're also going to be using moments on the Revenue.io platform to support us with dynamic, real-time conversation, insights, and generative prompts to guide our guests and Howard and I to the best possible conversation on each episode. And then we're going to follow that up with a little bit of fun with a trivia section with our guests each week and see how well they do on what is the accurate prediction that we see in the market today. Now, we want to start with some of the latest news in the healthcare space, Howard and Kaylin. And, and like, it's been an exciting, exciting week in terms of everything that's been going on with artificial intelligence, what's going on with RevOps. And really, two big headlines jumped out, right? NVIDIA. We all know what's going on with NVIDIA, another trillion-dollar company, and just announced its integration with Microsoft Azure for increased machine learning, and now adding over 100 different AI frameworks built specifically going into the healthcare space. That's extraordinary when you think where you know, what's needed to make and power so much of these AI systems. And then I'll give you the part two news piece that ties in, that's the that's the guts that's going to make all of this stuff work. There was a fascinating new piece from Penn Medicine, was from Penn State University in Penn Medicine. There's a chatbot called Penny. Have you guys heard of this Penny chatbot at all by chance? I haven't. Okay, so Penny is there to improve cancer care. And right now, nearly 4,000 medication-related text messages have been exchanged between patients and Penny. And approximately 93% of those are now being accurately interpreted. You know, the patient engagement and symptom assessment increased from 25% to 70% wow. through a generative AI chatbot. Yo, know, I'll start, Kaylin, like you think of those two mega news things and go, the world of generative AI is coming to us in the world of RevOps, front and center. NVIDIA is getting in the game with Microsoft. Chatbots like Penny are improving patient outcomes. What do you think when you hear that news? I mean, I feel like that has just achieved what everyone's really looking for. It's patient engagement, right? I mean, that jump is just astronomical. And I mean, that that's really what you want. You're, you're reaching people. You're getting them engaged in their care. They aren't, what I'm always fascinated by is it doesn't seem like People are frightened by, you know, AI. I think that people sometimes inherently have this fear of the unknown and, you know, where this is going. So it's just great that that adoption rate is fantastic. And Howard, as we look at that, I think Kaylin's spot on. The engagement is so key. 
right? When we think of patient outcomes, you think of outcomes we drive across the board. Like when I think of engagement, yes, we're talking healthcare. Yes, we're talking patients. But behind that are customer success teams. Behind that are operations teams. Like all of that has to work in synergy to solve the healthcare problems hitting us today in America. Yeah, well, as you know, I spent a better part of 20 years in healthcare and, and technology-backed healthcare, worked on online therapy systems, worked to bring telehealth to psychiatrists, working with patients in psychiatric facilities and prisons for remote uh, prescription management. I had the incredible opportunity to talk to the head of data, healthcare data um, from China, where Roughly 40% of all patients in China, they have every single interaction that they've had with a doctor or healthcare provider. And one of the reasons I was able to connect with her was she was very interested in outcome studies as it related to bedside manner, doctor's bedside manner or nurse bedside manner. And as you know, we are experts at conversation intelligence. And so she was interested in getting our insights and help in working with how they can look at every doctor interaction as it related to communication, conversations to measure the outcomes of that. So the idea that we can now introduce AI and what we're learning from all of these interactions, these communications to better uh, healthcare outcomes is something I'm truly excited about. It's the passion of communications, connection, and then better outcomes, whether it's sales, support, customer success, medical outcomes. It's really about driving better care, better relationships through this AI. So I'm obviously very excited. And I think the speed, right? Like Kayla and Howard, as we think about this, NVIDIA pre-building ML models with Azure available to the market. Like this is, this is the disruption moment to accelerate the speed of adoption of change, accelerate the engagement piece. Yo, Kaylin, are you seeing that already pop up uh, in your neck of the woods? Again, like healthcare is such a complex and difficult and confusing world for people. And I think that the easier you can make it for everyone to just understand, you know, they get a, a bill in the mail, they don't know what to do with it. Having people that can guide them through that process, th through the whole healthcare process is just critical and that's really how you can affect change. And to your point earlier of making sure then that your internal teams, the whatever it's customer service, if it's, you know, assistance teams reaching out to the members, making sure they have the right information quickly to be able to act and affect change is, is critical. So, yeah, ab absolutely seeing that. So let's let's build off that as well, because I, we just hammered home the news and everybody listening in, go check out Penny from Penn Medicine. Like I just think anything that's driving cancer improvement and diagnosis rates, unfortunately, most of us are touched by that at some point in our life. And I think, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. let's get behind in a, in a big way. But building off uh, a, a fledgling analogy of pennies, let, let's talk pennies and numbers here. Zealous is one of the leaders in transforming the economics of healthcare. When we met originally on this, Kaylin, you know, I was struck by the fact that we're spending $3.6 trillion on healthcare in America. And Zealous is saying, look, 25% of that, a quarter of that, $935 billion of that expense is wasted in administrative tasks. You are front and center 
in automating and making that change. And RevOps is the glue that brings that change together. Like you are disrupting the very future of how we are going to drive that engagement. But but tell us more. Like what? How is this evolving? What's going on in the automation? As a as a, the director of RevOps, like how are you making this happen? How are we getting to those results? Yeah, sure. So, you know, in in my role, I'll take a step back. You know, in in my role, I work with several different areas of the company. And so I'm I'm seeing what's going on from the product side of things. You know, I'm helping our sales team and our, you know, client engagement and performance team, making sure they have what they need to make sure that at the end of the day, the member is having a positive experience in the healthcare world. You know, I think the key is it's flexibility and it's agility and it's making smart decisions, right, based on what payers and health plans, you know, want to see. I mean, we are working with some of the top, you know, health plans in the country, a lot of regional health plans, working with hundreds of providers um, that are reaching so many different members. And the key is getting the right information to the people who need it at the time so they don't have to stop and question is the material I have correct? Is is what I have? You know, th- there's no question there. So I would say, really, that's been a huge key to the to the success, and you know, just getting people what they need. And and you know, what, as we think about that, I I, I want to be this person. I think we've all probably gone through some healthcare experience here. Howard, you've seen both. We've been on the provider side, you know, technology side, also being the recipient of healthcare. I'm sure in certain ways. But I, I am always struck to Kaylin's point as, as somebody that's lived in many different countries and under different systems. In America in particular, the sheer administrative side is 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 daunting to me. Like they're just baffling how much back and forth paperwork negotiation everything goes into to making somebody live longer. Like how are you how did you fix this? How did you help? You live in this world as well. How how do we help Kaylin? How do we accelerate all this? It's a great question. I mean, obviously, the system is not built for simplicity. Um, it is incredibly complex, and there's a lot of uh, disparate stakeholders. And you know, there are challenges, whether it's from the insurance providers, the the providers, the the where the patient's information is, who owns the patient's information. Uh, there is a variety of concerns. And then you add HIPAA, which makes it even more complicated in terms of privacy. I remember back when we had built the first intake system for uh, drug and alcohol treatment centers, part of the challenge we had was we had to fill out an intake form that had over 120 fields just to get that patient into a bed. And that was just a massive process and it was all based on paper at the time. We built a system that even though we were able to enable the intake uh, reps and managers to input that all that went into Salesforce, we still had to then take that and fax it to the individual facility. So literally, how broken is that, right? The I, first of all, who who still has a fax machine, and second of all, 
like the idea that we were putting the data in and then would have to fax it to them so that they would then enter that data into disparate systems, it's not creating an optimized workflow. So when you think about RevOps, right, you think about data, you think about process, you think about creating a uniform way for people to react to the information so that they can provide the sort of care and assistance that the patient and doctors truly need. It's the same challenge in RevOps across the board, right? How do we take marketing information, sales information, customer information, integrate all that to provide that next best action, that, you know, that knowledge to make the conversations, the care contextual to what that individual needs. If everything is sitting in disparate systems, everybody suffers. So RevOps, whether it's in healthcare or any, any company, it really is about optimizing performance, data, continuity, um, to buy, provide that best possible consumer experience. That's a great point, Howard. And you know, what I found before I started at Zealous, you know, going through that whole process of, you know, talking with my, now my supervisor, she intentionally built the department as it's an operations department. And she was very methodical in the idea that revenue operations should belong in operations where, you know, it's a kind of a different flavor. I think at different companies, you might have, I've been in sales support where it's more entirely sales focused. You know, oftentimes you'll see sales support or kind of a nuance as, you know, marketing. And I think that by having revenue operations in a true operations department, working with the operations team, you're able to focus more so on what does the workflow look like and where are the gaps? Where are we having issues? And like I was saying, you know, revenue operations, I touch so many different departments. You can really make sure that, you know, everyone is getting what they need quickly. Mm -mm. So that's a great point. Have you enjoyed it being in operations? And I imagine you've had it owned by somebody or a different department. How, what's the difference been for you? I've loved it. You know, I'm a very type A person. I like, you know, workflows. I, you know, like having all that documented down on paper. And I find that I have been the most effective in being in the operations department. You know, right now we're a big focus we have is making sure that Salesforce is, you know, not only cleaned up and the data is correct, but how can we make it so that finance is getting the information that they need so they don't have to go in and pull reports out of the system right. and then manipulate the reports. I mean, your CRM, that's why you have a CRM, you know. Right. <laughs> that, <laughs> don't want to create a bunch of manual work, right? Yeah. You know, so we're 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 trying to and we're we're definitely getting there, you know, update that process, get them what they need. But yeah, you know, like I said, having it in a more operational role has been, a, it was a very smart decision in, in how she built a department. I have one more quick question around this. Yeah. That's super, it's, it's not everybody does it this way. Mm -hmm. You have finance, you have marketing, you have sales, you have support. How do you prioritize all the different requests that come in to revenue operations? How do you do that? 
Yeah, it's a great question. So first, it's making sure you have an awareness of what's going on. You know, I, I this is my first role that I've had where I work entirely from home. So that's been a bit of an adjustment for me where I'm not in the office. I, I don't have that day-to-day interaction with teams. So that makes... For all of us. Right? Yeah, sure. Sure. It, and it makes it a bit more tough than, you know, my experience has been in, in knowing what's been going on. But I think a lot of it is you're you're picking up pieces from sales, you know, and this these are the initiatives that they have going on. Okay, well, how then does this relate to what I'm hearing marketing marketing's been doing? You yeah, know, yeah. and I, I think a good example is talking to one of the sales leaders on our team, you know, she brought up you know, we need to develop more of a, a stronger broker strategy. Well, I happen to know that marketing was working on sending out this blast notification to a bunch of brokers that we have in our Salesforce system. Well, you know, that my light bulb went off. Well, hey, let me go into Salesforce first, make sure the information's clean so I can get you the data. Right. But then link the teams together to make sure that you know, how can we work together on what the two of you need to do, but then also make sure that there isn't duplicative work going on that is going to, you know, waste both teams time. So it's really a matter of just kind of keeping your ear to the ground, understanding who's doing what, and then just being smart about, you know, how does the work I'm doing span across different teams? Just being smart. You make that sound so easy. (laughs) I just need to be smart so that I know what's going on and I can impact every team. Well, I kid, but it's a, it's a massive effort and, and it makes it, it compounds the challenges being remote because what you're talking about is really being empathetic to so many different stakeholders so that you then can deliver results and prioritize those results based on everything you're hearing from these disparate sources. So you oversimplified and I just wanted, I mean, good for you, right? There's not a lot of RevOps leaders that are thinking about it that way. And the building it within operations is somewhat unique. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm loving hearing about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I will say, look, even from my former gardener seat, Kaylin, the linkage to finance, the linkage across sales, marketing, all of that is key. So often what happens is, RevOps B is just sales ops 2.0, mm. but you don't get the same benefit off there. And you're talking the inside off there. And when I think of a sales leader today, and I'd be curious on your sales leadership's interaction here, look, every industry is under pressure. There's is either in healthcare, sort of growth requirements, there's a ton of innovation, as we saw at the top of the headline with the, the news is going on. What are they pressing you on that they need the most from you as a, you know, from a, the sales strategy, the enablement side? Like, what are they coming to you and saying, look, Kaylin, I got I need help on X as a sales leader. Yeah. You know, I, I will say, I mean, since it, it, it's been the same at, at every company I've been at, it's people want data because that's how you make decisions and that's how you make the right decisions. And, you know, I think a lot of what people run into is the case of your data isn't always clean because you have manual entries into Salesforce. You have, you know, maybe information that exists in an email that doesn't exist in an Excel spreadsheet, you know, and it's kind of the mundane task of truing things up, but then making sure that you have a 
single source of truth that is acting as the home to this data. Most of the time it's been finance, but you can have simple things such as, I just want to make sure that our account executive team sent this, you know, report, the same report out to however many clients we have by this date. As long as that exists somewhere, mm -hmm. you can give that to somebody. But it's, it is very important that the data you have is up to date, accurate, you know, and, and worth looking at. And we are data junkies. We love to see accurate data. And speaking of data, I got to pause this here and ship this on because I just got a real time moments notification telling me that we got to actually ship this thing ahead and move. Kaylin, are you ready? For ready. The trivia questions of the week. I'm nervous, but I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so for context, I'm going to give you three market predictions, and you got to tell us which one you think is the real one. All right. Okay. Mm. You ready? Yes. Here we go. First is by 2029, it is predicted that AI, artificial intelligence, will be able to predict the likelihood of patients developing an addiction to chocolate. Number two, AI could save the healthcare industry between 200 billion and 360 billion annually within the next 60 months. Number three, by 2030, it is predicted that AI will be able to predict the likelihood of patients developing an addiction to Netflix. I'm gonna go with the second one. You and me both. Predictions around chocolate? Chocolate and Netflix, come on, I man. <laughs> is that the to come up with? Great guess. You know, it's actually, according to the recent article from Healthcare Dive, it is absolutely dialed in and cooperated that we are anticipating upwards of 200 to 360 billion of savings over the next five years, 60 months in healthcare tied directly to the automation and areas like what you're solving at Zealous. So, you know, I hope you do chocolate and Netflix too, just for the benefit. But I will tell you that I'll take the money savings and improvement of patient engagement as well. I was going to say two important things, but let's go with number two. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm going to go with number two as well, but I'm going to offer an additional prediction. I believe that it could be 2x <laughs> the benefit. So maybe I'm hopeful. Maybe I'm an optimistic, but I think that there is so much waste and so many challenges that we can solve in healthcare if we truly embrace it, that that number will be 2x. We'll see in five years. On that note, unfortunately, we are out of time today. I hope Howard is right. Kaylin, I love what you're doing, your advice for sales and revenue and all of the pieces there. Please keep that going. We'd love to have you back on a future episode and I think dive into more of the future state and innovations that you're driving to in the healthcare and RevOps overall. It's been fantastic having you with us. For those listening in, please don't forget to like and subscribe and call Howard and I on our hotline anytime. Leave your questions and we'll do our best to get back to you in the future. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you. Awesome.